Is this thing on? Are you ready, Matt? You're listening to Box Office Avengers with Matt Diaz and Ernesto Santos. Good evening, folks. We have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you. We know each other. He's a friend from work. Welcome back, everyone. So I think uh, I think this is going to be a, like a fierce episode of Box fierce. Office Bingers. We finally did it. We've been talking about trying to see this movie for so long. I know. We finally did it. Matt, did. tell the people what we doing. They say if you uh, what's I don't know what the phrase is like. If you don't succeed, try and try again. And there are times gosh, of charm. There are times of charm, whatever it is. But gosh darn it, we did it. We are finally reviewing The Woman King after, I feel like, a month now. We've been teasing that we were going to watch this movie. <laughs> um, but we did it. We are reviewing The Woman King, um, directed by Gina Prince Blythewood, um, who has also directed The Old Guard and The Secret Life of Bees. So this is a huge step up from her previous work. Um, starring Viola Davis. And I'm going to mess up these names. I know I am. Uh, Thuso Imbedu, La, the Le, mm, yeah, Lashana uh, Lynch, 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 yeah, Lynch, Sheila Adam, Atim, Atim. Jimmy Okoye, Adukoya, and this one I know John Boyega. That that yeah. one I <laughs> the the first two I understand I know completely. Um, yeah, so. Finally, going into it, it's uh, written by uh, Diana Stevens, who also wrote Dana. Uh, Safe Dana. Oh, God damn it. I, there is no I there. I read See, it. you were so focused on the other <laughs> I know, ones, I know. And the, like, <laughs> yeah. you get to the easy one, and you're like, <laughs> yeah. you said like, it so whatever. confidently, too. <laughs> I know I did. I was like, yeah, there's no, there's no I there. Um, <laughs> she's also responsible for writing Safe Haven and Fatherhood, a movie that we actually really enjoyed back when we yeah, reviewed it, really it Fatherhood, um, starring uh, Kevin Hart. And uh, also written by uh, Maria Bello. Uh, so we're going to be diving into that review, the long-rated review, a little bit later on to the show. But of course, we're going to be talking about what we've been watching. And also, we're going to be starting like we do each and every episode, mostly each and every episode, with the news. And to be honest, Ernesto, the news is pretty light this week. Nothing big, nothing headline-worthy. The only thing that's headline-worthy, funny enough, and not surprising, really, was the release of the Super Mario Bros. trailer. Now, <sighs> if you're... I actually watched this one. I know. I was about to say, if you are uh, a fans of the show, we thank you. Uh, but we don't often discuss trailers too much. We try to preserve... Well, Ernesto tries not to watch the trailers because for movies you basically are we're going to see anyway. Um, but I would like to at least get a little... I like the teaser. I'll, I'll definitely sign up for the teaser trailer. I want to get a little taste of what we got. And, and if, depending on the movie, I will go and dive into the official trailer, which is typically the second trailer that comes out. But the final trailer, I'm not about that. That gives away too it much gives at away, that point. It's like half the plot in the trailer. Ha- yeah, exactly. But I, but I felt like this one for me was warranted because I was really I was extremely as we've talked about before mm-hmm. I was very curious on what they were gonna do for their voices because yeah. all these character voices like specifically the Mario franchise the voices are iconic 
specifically Mario. So yeah. I was like, well, what are they going to do for voices? So we get introduced, we get Bowser, which for Jack Black, which is a little off, it's off from the original voice, but I think it's great. I think yes. I think Jack Black's depiction of Bowser, I think, is really, really well done. Like, I'm excited to see. Like, but that, that kind of fits. Almost like when I think about Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool, I can see mm-hmm. Jack Black as Bowser. Like, it just yeah. fits his personality. Like, it fits him. feel like it fits him as a person. You know, not that he's evil, but, like, <laughs> not that part. But it's just, like, that energy that Bowser yes, has. Absolutely. Um, and we talked about this before many months ago. And we even reiterated this conversation when we had Nick on to the show when we talked about Sonic 2 of the voice cast of the Super Mario Bros. movie. It was kind of interesting to hear that. So just to kind of reiterate who the voice cast is going into this movie, we have Chris Pratt as Mario, which we're going to get to in a second. We have Anya Taylor-Joy as Princess Peach. We have Charlie Day as Luigi. We have Jack Black as Bowser. We have Keegan-Michael Key as Toad. Seth Rogen as uh, Donkey Kong. Fred Armiston as Cranky Kong. And we do know that uh, Charles um, Marnetti, who is the original voice of Mario, will have some connection to the movie. We just don't know what he is doing for the movie just yet. But all eyes, of course, Ernesto, is on Chris Pratt as the voice of Mario. And he teased on social media that they're working on something, something special, something unique that we've never heard before. And we right. get to the. We just, we just hear Chris Pratt. It's literally Chris Pratt. Like it's literally Chris Pratt's voice. There, like there's not even like a hint of an Italian twang or like not like no kind of accent at all. It's just Chris Pratt. And I'm assuming that Luigi will. I, I, it's an assumption that I would assume that it's just gonna be like Charlie Day's crazy voice. Like, you know, it's funny. I'm actually okay. I, we heard it's hard. So it's hard to base you know, our, our thoughts on just two lines of dialogue for Mario and a screaming and, and maybe one word from Luigi. So unfortunately we're going to have to see the other trailer now to get, to see if there's more dialogue that we can kind of go off of. But I think Charlie Day's Luigi is great. Um, on the very little that we heard, I think that fits in my head, not as well as Jack Black as Bowser, which we actually got a few lines of dialogue from, but yeah, I agree. It's like, Chris Pratt is just, you know, his voice is, is is him. There's there's no there's no effort, at least from what we heard. But obviously, un- unfortunately, that is the main talking point that I saw on social media. But I will say the trailer looks great. Like oh, the animation, looks, it's illuminations. Yes. Like it's gorgeous. It's really like it's you can tell that that's like on point. And it like visually, like it looks more like a Super Mario. Like almost like in that sixty, that N sixty four, like mm-hmm. or like Mario three D world, like that kind of graphics. Like it's graphically, that's what it looks like. So I'm, yeah, I'm and, here for it. I think it's visually and, stunning. Oh, absolutely. And we they gave a, they released a poster first, and then two days later they released a trailer. And when I saw the poster, I was like, we got something here, boys. We got something here. That looks that poster is a great poster. Um, yeah. and the trailer, I like I said, it looks. I I I think it looks great. Um, I, I need to see more for me to give it a fair judgment, um, on it. And then obviously when the movie comes out, which will be on April 7th, 2023. So a little ways to go on that. Um, but I am still remain optimistic on this movie. Yeah. I think maybe if that's my only gripe, then, you know, it could be good. Like, you know, it has a lot of potential to be, to be really good. I just might have to get used to Chris Pratt's voice, which whatever. 
<laughs> yeah, and and I understand because like I was I asked this question to a few people um, that I work with who actually like I, so like for me I love Mario like I like playing the games but I never grew up with like a Nintendo so I didn't play it constantly. Um, when we bought the Switch is the first time I actually owned actually that's a lie I owned a Game Boy Color and a Game Boy Advance SP but like a like <laughs> a, a, a console not a portable one I never really owned one until the Switch. And we were playing Mario Odyssey, which is a great game. Yeah. Um, I love that game. And and that was like the really the only one, aside from like going to friends' house and playing like their like 64s and like playing Mario there and obviously being self-aware of the character. Um, but from my understanding, he doesn't have a lot of dialogue in the video games. Like you have those one-liners and you know his here we go. Like we we got those and it's me Mario. Not, like we got those. The first one was better. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I I, I I was less confident with the second one. <laughs> no, but 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 he may not have like a lengthy dialogue, but the dialogue they have, like his voice is so distinct. I think that's yes. where I think that's where the people's issues are. Either way, I'm we'll see. I mean, I I hope for the best. It looks yeah. visually, it looks it looks beautiful. So has a lot of hope and then you know maybe the focus will be on bowser maybe not so much or maybe yeah. mario won't talk as much and maybe we well maybe you're right we'll only get we'll only get limited dialogue of chris pratt's voice <laughs> well well honestly it's funny that you said that because i made the same argument because someone else said maybe that he won't talk as much but then if he doesn't then what's the point of getting Pr- chris pratt then you might as well have just gotten the original person to do the voice if he's not a lot of dialogue mm. I, I would assume that because you got on chris pratt then you want like Unfortunately, it sounds like getting Chris Pratt is more like we need a big Hollywood name to sell this movie. When realistically, you don't because Mario is the big Hollywood name to sell the movie. Correct. You know, it's like like you could have had anyone voice it and people were going to go see it anyway because it was Mario. Yeah, don't you so, think the original voice actor deserves it? Because, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's so distinct. Yeah. If you're going to make this big production, I would think that the original voice of Mario would be more deserving of that role than not yeah. and not that not to knock on Chris Pratt. I love Chris Pratt. I think he's great, but I don't think that it needs the name. Like you shouldn't if you're re- relying on a name to save your movie, then it's probably not destined for greatness. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. But it's hard to say whether they generally wanted Chris Pratt or or because he has done voice work before, obviously in the Lego yeah. movie with Emmett, and he was in Onward, which I don't forgot the character name he played there, but he was the older brother in Onward, so like he's done it before. But yeah, it, when you and also he's he's coming up with also Garfield, which Garfield makes sense, Mario does not. So we'll see. I, I will say that if the movie's great and the only gripe with it is the voice of Mario, I think they have that's fine for me. But they gotta back it up with a good movie first, which we'll, you know we'll have to, we'll see in April. We shall see, of course. Um, so anyway, that's coming soon, and that was the surprisingly that was the biggest uh, news of the week was that trailer. Kind of surprised, uh, but other things that happened around uh, the movie news is uh, Michael Waldron, the screenwriter for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and the first season of Loki has been hired to write the screenplay for the upcoming Avengers Secret Wars movie. According to Deadline, Avengers Secret Wars will also be getting its own director rather than piggybacking off the the Kang Dynasty director, uh, Destin Daniel Creighton. Uh, No director has been announced for the Secret Wars movie just yet. So what do you think? Does that make sense that we have Loki and Doctor Strange 2 writer writing Secret Wars? 
I mean, it makes sense because that's it's all about the multiverse. So, mm-hmm. what if that's if you want that to be the main theme, the person who's been writing about it already should kind of continue the story. It makes sense. Like yeah. you're you're creating this arc. You're the one who needs to finish this arc within the universe if we want it to be somewhat coherent. Uh, which which makes sense to me. I do find it interesting that it, unlike, well, Avengers: Infinity War and Avengers: Endgame are two separate movies, but they often look at as one of the same because they were released within a year apart, and it acts like a part one and part two. I would assume that Kang De- De- Dynasty and uh, Secret Wars has also followed that part one, part two, as well. I would think anyway. Uh, no, it kind of seems like one is going to lead into the other. Like, yes, yes. Like, yes, it is a, in essence, it kind of is a part one and part two, but they're almost like domino effects. Mm-hmm. As, in a, like, it's not continuing that story. So, like, the Kang Dynasty story, that should be done within that movie. That's what you're telling me. But right. the Kang Dynasty is is the big domino effect, whatever the end of that movie is is the start of the next one, which is going right. to, which is going to lead. So Kang dynasty creates secret wars is what I'm right. Is right. It's what you're telling me. So I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm okay with that because if, especially if you want it to have a different feel, otherwise it will feel like a part, a part, uh, uh, conclusion of what happened in the first one. When, right. when in actuality you were able to close it out in one movie. Yeah. And, it does. It does. It, it's a little bit of an issue that I, a small gripe that I will have is that I'm not sure if like having not the same director do the next movie as well. It's like it's not a bad thing because Marvel does a really good job of like making sure all these stories are told the way that basically Kevin Foggy wants them to be told. Um, but separating the directors, we've seen that happen in Star Wars of like alternating directors when it feels like it should be the same. Personally, I feel that the the King the King Dynasty and Secret Wars should be the same director, but that could change once I know who is directing Secret Wars. True, and uh, maybe we'll get uh, Destin Daniel Cretton. Maybe he can be like he should be at least involved with it. Oh yes, you know yeah. I mean, I mean like, he should be like on set, maybe like an executive producer. Some, some he sh- there should be some form of involvement. From his side, just to so that they can, if they're if they are going to be separate, they can at least flow correctly into each other. Oh yeah, they they need to be talking to each other. That's a hundred percent what needs to happen. I don't know who's, I don't know if they announced a writer for Kang Destiny yet. Dynasty. Dynasty. I know. I know. I was going to say it wrong one of these times. I have to think about <laughs> it before I say it. Um, let's see. Oh, we do have a writer, Jeff Loveness. If that's how you pronounce his name correctly, uh, he is a f- he's oh he's a writer for well he hasn't done much, a couple of award shows he's written, the sixty fourth, he's written he oh he's a writer for, okay so he wrote the sixty fourth and sixty eighth primetime awards both hosted by Jimmy Kimmel. Which also makes sense because he's primarily a writer on Jimmy Kimmel Live. Oh, okay. So, and then since then he's kind of branched off and has done, uh, well, I'm sorry, he was a writer from 2011 to 2016, so for five years. And then from there, 
He's directed a couple of episodes of Miracle Workers, which is a series on TBS, and six episodes of Rick and Morty, mm, which... Those are good episodes, too. Promodius, that's a really good... I'm looking at it now, too. Oh, okay. Uh, Rick Mariah Jack. I mean, he's writing Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania, which makes sense. Oh, because... because... Jonathan Majors is the villain in that, and okay. so... That makes more sense. Now I see how they want the they want their writers to finish their arcs. Yes. Okay. So we're going to be revisiting this writer once we see Quantumania. Correct. Uh, that's that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Because if if Quantumania is great on a writing standpoint, then he's uh, that makes sense that he will continue Kang's journey in Kang Dynasty. And what makes um, sense is that. I mean, he's written six episodes of Rick and Morty, which that episode, that show is all about, like, you know, traveling to different dimensions, using yes. space and time. So that it, it I, I have hope now. This 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 makes me feel hopeful. I'm pretty sure that Michael Waldron also came from Rick and Morty as well. Secret Wars. Uh, yes, yeah, he's a producer on Rick and Morty. He's written. Oh, he's actually he's only written one episode of Rick and Morty, um, but and he's produced ten episodes of Rick and Morty. So he also came from there as well. So they probably they probably went to the same. <laughs> they're probably looking in the same area for these multiverse stories and probably plucked those two out of there, if not more, and uh, went to talent writing. And and he obviously Michael Waldron has more of a credibility because he created Loki, which I really like that show. We, you know my thoughts on Multiverse of Madness, but <laughs> we'll go back and listen to that episode a couple couple months back. <laughs> and this guy, the guy who's writing Avengers Secret War, Michael Waldron, he's also writing uh, an untitled Star Wars Kevin Feige project. Yes. Yes, he is. Which, again, we've had this talk before. Kevin Feige, please stay in your lane. <laughs> we... <laughs> you have enough shit to worry about. Yes, we don't need you to be going into Star Wars. <laughs> like let a like your boy John Favreau's already in it. You know he's he's there. He's he he made the transition and he's doing great. Not, let's please don't relinquish your 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 great Marvel power and put it to Star Wars. Even though that Star Wars movie might be great, but I don't want Marvel to falter for that. Yeah, exactly. Um. So anyway, more Marvel shenanigans coming out of that. Um. And on, or to, to more Marvel adjacent news, um, I want to see if I can pronounce his name right. Is it Juanes? Jonas? Jonas? Is it? Is it? Because there's an accent there, so I, I want to say it's Jonas, but now because it's an accent, I'm not sure if it's Juanes. But his last name is Corone, which I do know. Uh, he is the co-writer of Gravity, the director of 2015's uh, Deserto. And son of Oscar-winning director Alfonso Cuaron, uh, who directed uh, Gravity and a bunch of other movies, um, has been tapped to direct Sony Marvel's uh, El Mirto, mm -hmm. starring Bad Bunny. The screenplay will be written by Garneth Dunnett... Gareth. Ga Gareth Dunnett Alcosor? Alcosair? Sair? Something, yeah. Uh, who is also writing the upcoming Blue Beetle. Uh, so obviously this makes sense, both Hispanic characters, superheroes, um, Sony pictures is expected to release El Muerto in theaters, January 12th, 2024. They had recently pushed back that movie. Um, and so now we're getting an early January release on that, but either way, 
we have like, a director like for the Bunny. movie. I think Bad Bunny. I think he's. I think he has potential. I mean, I the little bit we got of him in Bullet Train, I, I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed him. I thought he was really enjoyable in that movie. So I'm excited to see what he can bring to this new character. And what's great is that this character is kind of like um, like Peacemaker. Like yeah. There's not a, there's not a lot to go on, so they have they have more room to make this character whoever they want. Yeah, and you know, for for being obviously what we know for sure is that this guy has been with his father, uh, Alfonso Caron. He's uh, like I said earlier, an Oscar winning director. He knows how films should be made and made well. I'm assuming yeah. if that's if if he's the son. So I have I have faith. I, I do also like that we're getting a Hispanic. Uh, behind the scenes with the director and the writers as well. So they're really focusing on it. We have Bad Bunny as the star, another Hispanic artist, but now he's diving into acting as well as aside from his music career. So him alone, Bad Bunny alone, will grab people to the theaters for oh, sure. And I'm sure he's going to write a song for the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, he is. Um, I have I have some faith in it. I I need to see more out of this Sony Marvel extended universe they're trying. Um, you know, we, you, we see. Do you want to see Spider-Man in this movie? No. Yeah, same. I, I do not. Um, it's hard because I it's it's we know what Sony has already done with Venom 1 and 2 and Morbius. And we also know that in the future we're getting Craven, uh, spy, uh, Spider Web or Web, what was it? Madam Web. Madam Web, thank you. And uh, El Muerto. So those are the three movies we are are familiar with, and also possibly an untitled uh, Spider-Man project from director Olivia Wilde. That's also in the works. Rumors are yeah. saying it's it's a Spider Gwen. Yeah. Um, as long as it's not like, don't worry, darling. Yeah, I know, right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I need to see more. I don't know if this one's first where Craven lands, where, uh, Madam Web lands, uh, which one we're getting first, but I need to see a good movie out of Sony to, to give it some hope. Otherwise I'm just going to look at all these Sony Marvel movies and be like, they're all just garbage. Yeah. Um, so hopefully this will turn the tide for them. Um, if there's a story that's done right and honestly has nothing to do with Spider-Man. Um, if they want to extend on their villains, they, they have, these stories have to be standalones and not predicate on the success of the Spider-Man movies. But um, then they can't do what Morbius did and tease it and then take right. it away when you go to watch the movie. I, you know what? I totally forgot about that. I don't even know what they're, fuck what they're doing with that anyway. So it's, yeah, exactly. it's hard to... I don't know. I'm lukewarm about it. I, I got to see something promising to turn my... To turn my feelings around for the Sony Marvel stuff, but this show's promise, and that's all we can rely on so far is, is a promise. Yes, indeed. Um, moving on from Marvel news, we'll talk about a little bit about Blumhouse, and they have announced that Emma Tammy, the director of The Wind, will now direct the upcoming Five Nights at Freddy's movie based on the popular video game franchise. The story is set in a Chuck E. Cheese-like children's restaurant called Freddy. Faz, Fazbear's TV? Fazbear's TV? Oh, no. Pizza. Freddy... Yeah, that's, that is pizza, not TV. Um, what is it called? Freddy Fazbear's Pizza? Mm-hmm. Is that, okay, Fazbear. Um, yeah, a Chuck E. Cheese-like children's restaurant where the animatronic creatures within go on a killing rampage after closing time. Tammy and game creators Scott uh, Cawthorn and Seth Cuddleback 
Kudovac will write the screenplay. Jim Henson's Creature Shop um, are handling the creation of all of the evil, murderous, animatronic creatures. Filming is expected to begin in February of 2023. I am intrigued by this. Mm -hmm. Only because my oldest son, like, loves to play this game. He's played this game for, like, a long time now. And, like, he's got the V... The PlayStation has a VR game that we've played and I've played before. And it's... It gets... It gets pretty intense. Like... Mm -hmm. Like... And it's like, is this supposed to be a child's game? So I'm curious. But they're smart because, like, now kids who grew up playing that game are old enough for, like, a good, decent... Like a, so we should see like maybe this movie is going to be geared more towards like a younger PG thirteen as opposed to like an older PG thirteen if they wanted to market it correctly. Yeah, that's going to be my. I never played Five Nights at Freddy's, so I don't know what the audience is to be honest with you. I I don't know what the angle is on like is it supposed to be like horror graphic? Is it supposed to be just spooky? Like what's the vibe there? Um, it's kind of like spooky and like um. It uses it, – it tends to use a lot of tension because there's a lot of okay. like dead space where you're like waiting for the thing to come and get you, but mm-hmm. you're like looking at nothingness. So it's it's almost like that that tension of waiting, um, like almost it's... like a thriller, like a good thriller. Okay, so are like are when you're playing the game, are you one of these animatronics? Or are you a, like a kid walking no, through this? You're a kid trying to trying to escape from the animatronics, and you can okay. only move at certain times. You have to solve certain puzzles to get out. Like it's a very involved game. It's pretty it's pretty intense. So I'm assuming, for the sake of argument, this could be seen as um, like, hey, I bet you can't spend a night in the, you know the Freddy Fazbear's pizza joint. Like how, how does, how do they get in there at night to begin with? I, I don't know. Okay. All right. So <laughs> I think um, they, I think they, I think they stay, they get locked in or I don't know, maybe it's like a dare. They have to stay. Sure. Sure. But there's like, there's books, there's games, like there's all, there's all kinds of stuff, but there, yeah. I told my son about it and he's pretty, he's pretty excited because he's at that age now where he can start to enjoy like some good scary, some scary movies. Yeah, and and the the one thing I do know is that this is a very popular IP, Five Nights at Freddy's. I I, I know of it. I've never played it and never really dived into it that much or at all, really. But I know of the name. And so for Blumhouse to acquire this IP to make a movie off of it, and obviously starting very soon, if the production, if filming is in February, we can either see a late 2023, early 2024 release from Blumhouse of this popular IP. So... That that sounds like you know a good move on their part, I should say. But I think if Jim Henson's, if they're gonna be making it, mm. then it's not gonna be like. I don't know. Like I don't see it being. I see it geared more towards maybe like spooky fun. Like, yeah. I don't see. I've never. I don't see them getting into some kind of like hardcore like horror. Yeah, and and you make a good point with Jim Henson involved. Obviously, maybe they're leaning more toward puppets and less effects. I f- I will find that interesting to see what they do there. Which I'm here for. I think some yeah. you know, with it's so much easier to use CGI, but like it's so much more appreciated when there's practical effects. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but I, I'm I'm intrigued. I think I would watch this if I, you know, I don't plan on playing the game anytime soon, but I will watch this movie. Yeah, so. I'm I'm interested to watch the movie. Yeah. 
Um, and the last piece of news that we have, also from Blumhouse, uh, but tar, t- uh, Todd McFarlane. I, I feel like I almost did like a. It's a Todd McFarlane. I don't Todd know why. Yeah, you did. That's how, yeah, I wasn't going to bring attention to it, but you know. Whatever. I was like, <laughs> the little Irish came out of me for no reason. <laughs> you know, the luck of the Irish. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you know, you could all pile up. Uh, Todd McFarlane. Todd McFarlane. Uh, <laughs> over on Dairy Farms. <laughs> Creator of the Spawn series. <laughs> I just, I just thought of in Back to the Future Three when you know Marty McFly has that Scottish accent. It's just, it's, it's just, it's oh, part McFly. of the McFly. <laughs> wow. All right. Okay. Back. <clears throat> back to the news. <clears throat> back to see. Back, back to the news. Uh, Todd McFarlane, the creator of the popular comic book series Spawn, has announced that his long-awaited Spawn reboot film has signed on new writers. Uh, McFarlane revealed that Scott Silver, the writer of Joker, uh, Malcolm Spellman, the writer of the Falcon and Winter Soldier series, as well as the upcoming Captain America New World Order movie, um, and Matthew Mixon... Uh, will all write a new screenplay. As of right now, Todd McFarlane will direct, but he has said that he might pass that along to somebody else, uh, with Jamie Foxx also attached to star as Spawn. Now, Ernesto, are you familiar with Spawn? Because I don't know much about him. Yes, absolutely. Like the, okay. one, the movie with Jonathan Leguizamo. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think his name is Michael Jai White. Like, oh, yeah. that movie was the shit when I was a kid. Like, <laughs> Spawn is such a fucking badass superhero. Like, uh, I hope, I really hope that they do it right. I mean, they've got some great writers. That's an interesting mix. So yes. you think of, like, how character-oriented Joker is and how much of a great spy espionage film Falcon Winter Soldier is. So it that's an interesting combination that they're bringing to the table. And, I mean... It's Jamie Foxx. Like that yeah. that's that's a perfect fit. I think that's a great fit for him. I would like to see Todd McFarlane stay on as director unless he doesn't try, I mean what else has he directed? I mean cuz especially when it's your property, don't you think yeah. I feel like you have more you're more um like he's attached to the project more obviously. Like there's more exactly. pers- uh, it's it's more personal that way. Um I don't know if he's ever directed a movie um so he's got six directing credits he no he's directed music videos so this would be his first film but mm-hmm. he's written but then he here's the thing like he's written a bunch of films so wouldn't it make more sense for him to be more in line with the writing team than yeah. opposed to being with the directing team yeah i i'm curious if he feels that you know because he said this has been in production for quite some time now so I wonder if he feels maybe too attached to the project and needs to step away. Mm. So maybe he was maybe he was a writer and a director, and he's like, all right, you know what? Yeah, he's like, I I think I remember reading that like he wrote a draft for the movie, and either they didn't like it or people close to him said that they, they, they weren't fans of it. So maybe he's bringing on new writers, which I really like Mike Malcolm Spellman's work on Falcon and Winter Soldier. And I'm sure he's going to do great things with the new Captain America movie that's coming soon. So him being tasked to spawn, and like you mentioned, very uh, with with the other guy, the writer for Joker, and how that was character oriented. 
I think those are a great mix to mix in with of of a good movie, I should say. And Jamie Foxx has a star power, and I think yeah, he's he's definitely going to be great there. Um, but yeah, I think um, he is also responsible. Okay, so he created. I don't think he wrote anything for the movie per se, uh, but Todd McFarlane is responsible for. Yeah, he's okay. He's responsible for creating Venom, but he yeah, did he not. He created Venom. He created Spawn. Um, yeah, he did not write the screenplay for Venom. Um, so maybe that's smart. Maybe because he just he wants it to succeed more than anything. Yes. Yeah. So it's he he was an executive producer on the first movie, um, and obviously he wants he's producing the new one. But yeah, I, I think maybe he's trying to go at it. He wants to be he wants it to be done his way and his approval and maybe the right way. And it feels like they're going back a little bit. Maybe going back to the drawing board, get some fresh faces in there, new ideas. Um, and that's why maybe he said that you know. I'm right now I'm directing it, but maybe you might need somebody else to direct it to tell the story he wants to and have that presence. Which, if you know that, that's already a good sign in my in my in my book. Like yeah, if that, you know that, that shows you... that he has no ego. That shows that he has no ego. Well, yes, he just wants to put out. He just wants to take get the right people to put out a good product. Right, exactly. Instead of being like, I want this to be mine, and maybe he feels like you know that. he. And no, he he's probably done. A, obviously, he's done a very successful comic book run. But maybe when he's trying to translate over to TV or movies, it's just not hitting for him. So yeah, and I maybe totally you get these that. other writers and other directors who are even more so good at what they do and how they craft mm-hmm. it. That they have someone who's the creator who they can ask, "Hey, what do you think about going this direction and doing this?" Right. And he's either gonna say, "No, I don't want my character to do that," or, "Or wow, that's an interesting." point of view or direction that i didn't even think of going let's explore that let's see where that let's see how that goes yeah and also more importantly i think that this shows very much so that this is a collaborative effort there are many people who make a movie and the fact that it that all the weight does not need to fall on your shoulders and you realize that i might need to branch out a little bit shows that you know he really cares about wanting to make a good product for this movie as well so. so I have high hopes. Or maybe he's, you know, I'm kind of curious of what his thoughts are on the Venom movies. Well, that's, well. <laughs> well because those are also so. his characters. His you know characters, I mean? yeah. And obviously he didn't have any involvement with those characters either. Um, at least in the movie standpoint. He was just credited as a creator. Um, so, yeah, I, that, that is quite interesting to see how he feels, how they've been represented so far in the three times we've seen Venom in a movie. Um um, but yeah, anyway, that's all the news we have for you guys this week. A little light, but you know, some talk worthy things, of course. Um, if you want more news, you can always find it on our social media, cha- social media chains at box office underscore bingers. That's our Instagram page. Um, as well as our Facebook page at box office bingers. We do all the news over there first. We'll post them when it was released and then we'll collect them all for the week and we'll talk about it over here. Um, so now with that, we're going to move over to a fun segment we like to call What You're Watching. So Ernesto, we'll start with you. What have you been watching? So I finished the first season of that uh, Harley Quinn animated series, and mm-hmm. I like it. Like, it's kind of stupid funny. Like, Bane's probably my favorite character because, like, they put him as, like, this man who's, like, re- who, like gets shit on all the time and, like, really in touch <laughs> with his emotion. But it's it's obviously hilarious because you're, you're hearing it come from Bane, like, this big, mm-hmm. like, the biggest, strongest man there. Um, uh, I didn't realize that it was uh, Kelly Kuko who's playing the voice of Harley Quinn. I did know that, yeah. Yeah. Um, she's good. I like her. Um, but the, a lot of the other voice acting is really spot on. Like, I really enjoy 
the guy who's doing King Shark. I'm gonna look it up just to make because um, they're I think what they're bringing to some of these like uh, so some of these DC characters like their flavor to it is really mm-hmm. really funny. So you have Alan Tudyk as Clayface, which he oh, plays wow. like yep. which he plays like a almost like a disgruntled actor because he can <laughs> Clayface can turn into anybody. So right. He's the, so he's the ultimate actor. So that like that in itself is hilarious. that's quite funny. Yep. Uh, Ron Funches, uh, who who plays King Shark, that's he does so well. I think he's just so funny. Uh, Tony Hale plays Doctor Psycho. Oh, okay. Um, uh, Diedrich Bader, uh, he's uh, you may know him from Whose Line Is It Anyway or Drew Carey Show. He does Batman. Oh, yes, I, 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 I'm looking at the list now. I've, I've, I've recognized his face before. Yeah, uh, yeah. You get Jim Rash as the Riddler. Like they've got a quite a quite a big quite a few big names. Like it's it's pretty funny. Really oh, yeah. well done. Um, very, very enjoyable. Uh, I think I'm enjoying it way more than I thought I was going to. <laughs> um, which, which makes sense because, again, a lot of people – I mean, when you have a great voice cast behind it as well, I think that it sounds like it's adding to the fun that you're having watching this show. Yeah. Jason Alexander plays like this old, grumpy, like ex uh, – Ex villain as like in a this cyborg, this <laughs> cyborg who's in a wheelchair who's like really cranky. He's like, all right, we're gonna go do the job, and then he'll like fall asleep in the chair. <laughs> um, oh, I see. Uh, uh, Gino Espinito as Lex Luthor as well. Really, and that you know that fits. It a hundred percent fits for him. Um, yeah, I mean the the names keep going. Wanda Sykes as Queen of Fable. Wanda Sykes is great. Yes. Um, Alfred Molina as Mr. Freeze. Uh, that's that's actually quite hilarious. Doc Ock to Mr. Freeze. Oh yeah, I'll take that. Apparently James Gunn is in it playing himself. Also I haven't hilarious. Seen that. It's like one episode he's in. Um, okay. But it's mainly it's mainly Kaylee Cuco as Harley Quinn and Lake Bell as a uh, Poison Ivy. They're like the main two leads. But then okay. a part of their, but she has this crew which is comprised of King Shark, Clayface, and Doctor Psycho. Okay, um, that's but awesome. It's not a, you're it is. It. it is definitely not a kids' cartoon. Like, yeah, I heard it wasn't. <laughs> it's definitely meant for adults. Uh, but it's funny. It's really funny. Uh, the animation is really good. The voice acting is really good. Like it just, it just. It's just a well-rounded, good, well-made animated uh, adult animated series. Okay. Um, I finished uh, Attack on Titan season two. Uh, hmm. That's just a, it's just a well-rounded, good anime. Like the story's super interesting. I really, I think what I enjoy most is the story structure. How it's, <clears throat> it's like one continuous story, where like, like the end of the episode is usually like a cliffhanger, and then the next episode picks up right where the last one left off. So oh, it's okay. Like all continuously going. So it's. It, it's good. It's really good. I, I think I've got like another two seasons left. Um, we didn't watch last night's episode, but we're pretty much caught up on Game of Thrones. Oh, the House uh, of Dragons. Mm-hmm. House of Dragons. Yeah. And it's 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 good. A lot of people okay. were complaining about the previous episode being too dark. Um, <clears throat> I did read about that. Yep. But I didn't really. I didn't have that issue. What it is is that it's a beach scene at night that's lit by moonlight. So. Oh, in and okay. in it itself, it's supposed to be dark. Like, <laughs> which it, it's funny because obviously, like we we've had this problem before with Game of Thrones that especially in the last season with the fight that happened at night and a lot of people were complaining about the lighting there too. Um, that one was bad, and this was nowhere near <clears throat> as bad as that. 
Yeah, and I and I part of me when I was reading that, it's like I feel like you're just complaining to complain at this point. Yeah. It's like just if you can hear it and you know where they are, just get over it. Like it's not like that you needed to see. I'm assuming it was just a conversation, or was there more happening in that scene? No, in the scene, this doesn't really give anything away. One of the one of the younger characters goes to the beach and comes upon the dragon, like one of the dragons who's laying on the beach. How do I know that? Because I saw the kid walking on the beach. And I <laughs> saw the dragon that he walked up to. So it's not like to me it just wasn't that dark. Now, granted, I was in a dark room with the lights turned off because this sure. is a show. Like you can't have like your lamp on. You can't watch. This is not a show to watch in the middle of the day. Like this mm-hmm. is meant to be enjoyed at night in like a dark room, as like you're watching a movie. If it yeah. was that dark, then you would have been able to see it. You mm-hmm. can't watch other things like this. This is it's a pay attention show, like we like yeah. to call it. Um, yeah, I don't. I I I kind of just brush past because I also saw articles saying how to bring your brightness up on the TV. I'm like, calm down. This. It was that, not that serious. Yeah, that, that's that's a clickbait article. Please don't read that, people, because each TV is different. First of all, <laughs> um, and like we don't need to bring up the brightness on the TV. It's like, and how long did that? How long did that scene last, Ernesto? Maybe less than five minutes. Uh, it, it, yeah, it sounded like they were just complaining to complain about it. Um, no reason for that. But as, as again, as long as the story is good, there's a lot that I'm willing to look past. If I was having a real gripe about how dark it was. I mean, it's it's pretty dark. This is some pretty dark Game of Thrones shit that's happening. Like, um, it's good. Hey, we're it's we're close good. though, right? Like, yeah, we're getting close. I, th- I believe there's one more after the one from last night. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. October 23rd. So two more. There's two more. Two more. Two more, yeah. So October 23rd is the finale, yep. Uh, we're mostly caught up with Rings of Power. We have like half of the, of the last episode. And I think that one also, I think that one's getting close to ending as well. It may have maybe either one or two more. Um, it's good. Uh, people are, I don't know what people are complaining about. Um, the fight scenes are pretty good. Like, I don't know. Like, it's... Like it's nothing really to not like. It's not super boring. Yeah. It's just it's Lord of the Rings, so it's you have to pay attention and kind of right pay attention to what's going on. Like you you know it's very easy to get lost. Um, yeah, it says uh, the final episode is October fourteenth, so this Friday. Um, but yeah, it's so out of what you've seen so far, I know this is a hot topic to compare the two shows, but which one are you enjoying more? Uh, Game of Thrones. That's hands. Oh really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I but I enjoy them for different reasons. Like I can watch Rings of Power in the room where like my older kids are. Like it's oh okay. Level. Whereas Game of Thrones, you obviously like you know just me and the wife in the room. They can't even. I don't even want them to hear what's happening in Game of Thrones. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this is more well more of an adult show. Yeah. Uh, we wa- we also watched the second episode of Andor. And mm. it was good. Mm-hmm. Um, I like. I'm still liking it. They're obviously still building to what's eventually going to happen. Like there's yeah. some big thing they're building up to, but it's still enjoy. I'm still really enjoying it. But the thing I think I really wanted to talk to you about is that we watched the first three episodes of Evan Peters as Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, okay, okay. Um, it is dark. Yeah. Like we could only watch a little bit at a time. We uh, um, how do I how do I put this? Like, what's really good is the right as far as the writing is that 
they're release they're opening the story to you as if you're finding out as the world is finding out. So okay. Like the first thing you see, the first episode is of Jeffrey Dahmer's last potential victim, the one that he gets arrested by. Okay. So it's that whole encounter. And it's just, it is uncomfortable. Like, they just, he, Evan Peters is just so good at what he does. Like, <laughs> things, it's just taking what he's done for American Horror Story and really elevated really elevated it to the umpteenth level. Like you could tell that he put a lot of care into this character. So mm. I I haven't gotten I, into anything that's too like the the second episode, there's some dark shit that happens, but they haven't really what's what's good is I don't feel as if they're glorifying it because at least as of yet they haven't shown me anything that's like that's over the top. That I feel is right. over the top yet. I watched a movie, uh, the, the, what I saw, well, there's several, there was my friend Dahmer, which was a young Jeffrey Dahmer story, which I've seen that movie that came out in 2017. And then also the other movie that starred Zac Efron, uh, like the good evil, uh, what was that movie called? But isn't that, um, that wasn't Dahmer. That was, um. Is that not Dahmer? I thought that was the other one. The other the other psycho killer. Oh, you're right. That was Ted Bundy. I apologize. Never mind on that one then. Um yeah, I saw the trailer for Dahmer, and obviously it's a that is a hot topic right now. A lot of people are watching the show. Number one streamed on Netflix. Like it feels like that Netflix has another hit on their hands, or at least a talkable movie that's getting headlines. But I looked at it and it's like I don't know if I want to sit there for 10 hours and watch that. It's 10 episodes long. I don't know if that's a show for me that I want to dive into. Uh, yeah, it's definitely I, not for everybody. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's like I, I, I'm intrigued because of Evan Peters and because of it's getting talked about a lot. There's a lot of buzz around it. But after that, like I know that if there was no buzz, I don't think a show I would gravitate toward. Mm. Oh, but, I don't think so, yeah. but it. You know what I mean? I think... I just want to see because I want to watch it and then I want to see how accurate it is. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, you know, I'm always curious. Like when they do things like that, if you're not going to be true to the story, like in a big way, then why are you even wasting your time? Right, right. Like, are you, why even tell me that it's based off of this? It's like, why not make it inspired by? You know what I mean? Like, this yeah. is not the thing. This is kind of like the thing that we kind of wish would happen. But it seems like that they're showing us in a very truthful way. Like we get, like we got one scene. It's voice acted by the actors, but they show us a transcription of like Jeffrey Dahmer's neighbor calling the cops about things that are that she's oh, hearing, okay. and things that she's seen. Like it was the actors reading it out, but it was the actual transcription of the nine one one call that she made. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna let you continue watching it, and you tell me if it's worth my time by the end of it. Uh, so far, far, yes. Okay. So far. Yes. Um, I just, I just don't know if, if that's 10 hours worth of time I want to invest into what seems like a dark story that I know somewhat about, like, obviously the name is very familiar. I know very little about all of the story, but I know enough where I was like, I get the gist. Um, and I don't know if that's a story I want to dive fully into, 
because this isn't even a documentary. This is a, a tel- this is a this is a mini series, I believe. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I'll, I'll let you continue watching it, and you tell me by the end of it if it's worth my time, and if it is for many reasons, then I will. I might. I might partake. But as of right now, I'm gonna. I'm gonna steer clear for a moment. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah. Anything else? Um. No, that's it. That's all I that's got. That's it. Um. <clears throat> well. You mentioned with Andor, you got episode two. I'm I'm caught up. I'm on episode five. Oh wait, I have oh, one wait, you more. got one more. Okay. She Hulk. Yeah. Saw the Daredevil. Saw the Daredevil episode. Oh yeah, let's 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 talk about that. Um, it was good. I mean, it was fine. It was a little heavy on the the romance between uh, She Hulk and Daredevil. And then my yeah. son was like, they get together in the comics. And then my other <laughs> son, I told you because I told you we, it was kind of borderline for us. Yeah. So we're kind of we're just watching it with them. And mm-hmm. we were like, oh, they're going to go take a shower together. <laughs> <laughs> shower time. <laughs> shower time. up all the bad guys. <laughs> That's funny. No, but it was good. I liked it. It's it's definitely a more lighthearted um, mm-hmm. Daredevil as opposed to as opposed to what we saw in the Daredevil series. Oh, absolutely. I feel like this is a... It, 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 it's not the same daredevil let's just put it that way it's it's right it's, it's not not it's the same not at all. it's not i think that they like the actor we know the actor they can treat it now that it's a multiverse situation where that is a different daredevil but this is the mcu's daredevil and we chose the same actor because he's great at what he does and so is it so is it not canon are they are they have they stated if it's part of the universe or not they mean the netflix series yeah no they haven't uh <laughs> but i i i'm taking it as it's not like fully and it's like it's just a different daredevil a different multiverse that that's how i'm taking it, it that's right, the it only way that be. makes it has to be yeah um it's the only way that makes sense to me i i agree with you i think a little bit i i feel like we did not need to see them sleep together by the end of the episode that was a little much for me as far as like i don't think we needed to go there like, why not um, but, just you could why not have it just implied like, right there are, exactly there are, there are much easier ways to imply that like this is yeah you're talking about superheroes so you're still you're while you still want to be more of adult you're still you still need to market towards a younger audience because that's that's who will ultimately gravitate to these kind of to these kind of things yeah, and a storytelling perspective as well. Like, it just happened too quick. I mean, we're acting this like it's a one-night stand. He's only in town for a few days. He's going to go back to Hell's Kitchen after this. And it's like, we, I don't think... We, yeah, and I don't think we needed that. I don't think we needed the, for them to have a one-night stand. They were just superheroes. You can At least start, start it off slow. Like, there was a small attraction there, but let's just move on and let that relationship grow if that's where you want it to be instead of it making a one-night stand. Um, it, it just for this... Like, it fit for the for the for She-Hulk... Because that's what that that show has been kind of dealing with so far is, you know, Jen going through these relationships. But as far as Daredevil is concerned, it doesn't fit. And that's where my yeah. small gripe with it was a little bit. Other than that, though, I actually really enjoy the episode. It, it makes yeah. me feel like it's like, holy shit, what if Daredevil was in here from the beginning? It, it, he made the show like 10 times better, to be honest with he you. He did. Well, I mean, so is it a show that survives off of cameos? Well, they joked about it, but essentially, maybe. Well, because they've kind of given her the like the Deadpool role, like where she, yeah. she 
you know, even the whole thing we're talking about it being the penultimate episode, like the one that yeah. before the finale. Mm-hmm. I and mean, how did you feel about that? Like, it's almost like what they were just trying to ruin her reputation. Yeah, like, a little to bit. Show who she really was, and then she ultimately hulked out. But I thought she was one who could control her emotions at all times, and that she well, was the best Hulk that, it, that she could be. Well, it, well, I mean, that's and, until your emotions get better for you. You know, I guess, that's the, the, I guess maybe that's, that's the point. Is that the point? Yeah. Is that maybe you think that you're good, but maybe you need more help than you actually thought you did. Sure, and that's what you know Bruce Banner was trying to explain in the first episode. But you know, the, she can't control it for the most part. But then sometimes, you know how it is. If you get too angry, you say stuff you don't mean, and you do stuff you don't really mean, and then you calm down. And you're like, "Fuck, I, I screwed up there. I apologize." So, so I think if they do that, if we do get some of that, like if Bruce comes back and she's able to admit that maybe that she undermined his knowledge about mm-hmm. doing this thing and like not just like shitting on his advice like she did in the yeah. first episode then then it will gain some points back for me I, I don't know if we're going to see bruce in the finale obviously the this week's episode this coming thursday is going to be the final episode um and i think we're done with daredevil as well um yeah, so, I think so too. I think, you know, whatever they've been building toward, we are going to get the resolution of that. Um, it was great to see Neil Blonsky back for another episode, the one that, that was a week prior, even though I do feel like those last two episodes besides the Daredevil one were fillers. Um, yeah. And so I'm curious to see how they wrap this up, because right now I feel like, yeah, it has been a rotating group of cameos with a, a very loose underlying story there. Um, of some of something that was happening in the background. So I'm assuming that now all that background stuff that we've been getting teased about in end credit scenes are now going to be explained in this last episode. But now, and and so it kind of seems like, and I guess we're talking, you know, spoilers for the last episode. The the um, the other guy who was kind of following her around, the tech guy who bought the Wakandan spear. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. I think it's interesting that he bought a Wakandan artifact. And that's involved when the mm-hmm. next Marvel project we're leading into is Black Panther 2. Oh, yeah. So I'm I mean, wondering I'm wondering if the finale will have some sort because this is the last Marvel project before Black Panther, right? Yes. So I wonder if there's maybe not a direct tie-in, but at mm-hmm. least like a lead-in. Something that leads into the events of what's going to happen in the next Black Panther movie. Maybe. And, and also, I believe this is the last Marvel series of the year. I, don't, I think the only other Marvel sh- show that we're getting on disney plus is um the guardians holiday special or is that yes no that's this that's this christmas yeah so after that we're not getting anything other from so we have the last episode of she hulk the guardians holiday special and then um we have black panther and that's it for the rest of the year for marvel so and then the next thing will come out is ant-man in february so a little bit of a break from from marvel for a little bit but yeah, I, I mean, I still, I, I really liked, like, I really, I, seeing Daredevil now in the show, I almost like, man, if they just focus on one case for the entire season, and Daredevil and Matt Murdock was the other lawyer on the other side, and them going back and forth on, like, legal proceedings, that to me would have been the show I would want to see, you know? Like, yeah, it was good to see them go back and forth, which I just didn't like is that, like when he figured out that he used the wrong fuel, he was like, "Don't ask me how I know that." Like that just seemed, yeah. <laughs> that seemed like a very it just seemed like a very She-Hulk line to come from not She-Hulk. Right, yeah, or not not Daredevil. Um 
but yeah, and then I also liked how when they were fighting, he was like giving her legal you know, advice as like they were fighting and he was like, the best we can do is this. Well, actually the best you can do is this. And he's still kicking ass. Like that type of back and forth dialogue works for me. I thought that really worked great. Yeah. I just, I wish it could have happened more in the show instead of just encapsulating this one episode. But yeah, that's fair. Well, we'll obviously we might, we're going to see a different version of, we've already seen now the introductions of Kingpin and Daredevil. And so their show is coming in 2024. So that will be, we'll see how that continues on. If like if we're gonna see this lighthearted Daredevil, or if we're gonna might see a darker one once the the show starts. So, or if we might see him again, we might we might see the character soon sooner than we think. True. Um, well, that's the that's the beauty about Marvel. We really don't know. Now that's all I got. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, going back to what you mentioned about Andor, I am caught up. Um, it does feel like that we are leading into the next big event that's happening in the show coming this episode. So you said you're in episode two. I've reached episode five. So episode six is I feel like the next big moment. So for you, for your sake, episode three is like a big turning point in the show. And I feel like six, we're building to the next turning point of the show as well. Um, but six is a halfway mark because we got 12 episodes of Andor. So that's going to take us all the way to Thanksgiving. Okay. Now, uh, is the energy still, like, is it still just as good as episode one as it is in episode six? Or is it kind of lull and come back? Um, I think that we took a dip a little bit in episode five because it's all build up. I, I, I liked four. Four gets you more into the world. Five dips down a little bit. And I think six is going to bring the action. Um, I'll be disappointed if six doesn't because I feel like naturally this is the next step that we're going toward. Uh, but if it's like another, we're going to sit around and talk for 40 minutes. I'm like, come on, like, <laughs> you guys are, te- you guys are waiting too long to teed up the next part of the story. But I, I have a feeling that episode six is going to bring, bring the action as black eyed peas say. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so that's, that's Andor. Um, I've seen a lot of, movies i'm getting ernest i'm getting into the spooky stuff i'm I'm going back into some suspense thrillers some horror light horror i've been watching a lot of horror stuff lately as you know i wasn't a big fan of horror and i'm just trying to you know see what works for me and i'm diving into a lot of different stuff but before i dive into the horror i did see a few things before i started this like little marathon i got going and i'll probably continue for the rest of the month um Especially dealing with some of the older stuff I never really got into, like the horror icons. But I did see uh, Samaritan. The, uh, I didn't get a chance to see it yet. I've been wanting uh, to see it. <laughs> uh, Sylvester Stallone superhero movie. It was fine. It was it fine? Was, it was fine. Uh, there is a... It's funny because there's like... Before you think there is even a twist in this movie, there was like, oh... I know. Oh, okay. I see what's going on. And then it was like, it's so funny that by the, like, by the, like, oh, that has to be it. That only makes sense of this would be like the twist or whatever the case may be. And (laughs) there's a scene where (laughs) Sylvester Stallone is yelling and he's like, and I'm not saying the dialogues. I don't want to spoil it. But once he said that, I was like, yeah, we know, we know Stallone. We know that that is, (laughs) that's, (laughs) that is, we know that's the twist. All right, calm, calm down. We 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 get it. Um, and to me, like if you if you didn't see it from the first twenty minutes of the movie, I you weren't watching the movie at that point. <laughs> <laughs> so that was just all right. Um, 
I saw a whole a whole show, a whole show, all eight episodes of the Peacock original film, The Resort. Are, are you are you you have heard of this before? So it's from the writer of Palm Springs. Oh, he yeah, uh, we liked he, that one. We did like that one. Yeah, he's the creator of the show, and it stars um, Kristen um, Malati. Maloti, who is uh, she was also in Palm Springs, and she was also in Modern Love. Uh, um, was it Modern Love? Oh yeah, Love? yeah, 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 yeah. Made for Love. Uh, made for Love. Thank you. Um, it also stars um, William uh, William Jackson Harper, who was Cheaty in The Good Place, um, and it also stars uh, Nick Offerman, which I did not expect to be in this show. Um, I don't know. Something gravitated toward this to me. It was a um, it was a mystery thriller. It had great reviews I saw online, and it's solid. The first episode doesn't get me there, but as the show continues, um, it's like this this mystery that is within this hotel. And a lot of people were comparing this to White Lotus, but when you watch the story, it is far from that. Like I don't know where. The only thing that's comparable is that most of the mo- most of the show takes place within a re- like a luxury resort. Mm. Other than other than that the rest of the story is completely different. And you're kind of following, like, these, uh, um, uh, Christine Milati and her husband, again, played by William Harper, who is, the characters are Emma and Noah. They're on vacation, and they discover, like, this old 2000s phone. And they're looking inside, and they realize that it's from a, a missing person that was from 15 years ago when they find this phone in the jungle. And that's kind of the story takes place. And once you find the phone, then within each of the eight episodes, we are following two stories. One that's happening in the present, trying to discover the mystery. And then we're also seeing the the kid who who went missing. And so we are following how they became missing, as well as following to see like them trying to solve this mystery. So you're getting, you're getting, you're getting both stories at the same time. And it took me a while to get it. But once I got there, it was like really solid. I was pretty engaged throughout the whole time. And it, and it also dives into more than just like a mystery. It's about like, what does it mean to love someone? How does it feel to be in a relationship? Like the, like the couple has been married for 10 years. Like, is that still sustainable anymore? Um, like, is this mystery keeping their marriage alive? That's the whole reason why they went on this vacation to begin with. Um, so there's, and there's also deals a lot with regret. Um, and they're also 30 minute episodes. So this was like quick for me to, to to binge through. It makes it easy. Yeah. There was like quick and easy. And I think that really worked for the show that nothing was kind of prolonged 30 minute episodes, concise to the point of the story they're trying to tell. And, and I think it worked really well. I was thoroughly enjoyed from those eight episodes and they teased and they've been talking about a season two, but I'm going to be honest. I think they should stop here. Like that means they won't. The, <laughs> I know. Right. it's like the first episode, like the first season, I felt like you, you told a real, it's like a good mini series. You told like a really solid story here. I, 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 we should not continue because I don't, I don't think there's anything else more worth telling that I can see anyway. Now, a season two may come out and I could be eating my words because they have a lot more story to tell. But from what I've seen so far, I think this is a good stopping point. Or maybe like an anthology. Either you go to another resort or sure. another story at that resort. Like, but, but like different character, like completely, completely different cast. Yeah. And then that's the, that's basically what White Lotus is doing. Like we're getting, yeah. that was supposed to be a mini series and then it got popular and now they're creating a season two, but 
it's in it's it's the same White Lotus Resort, but in Sicily. So now it's taking place in Italy. Yeah. Instead of so it's like they're we're following the hotel chain less about the, that particular hotel and those characters. Which I'm um, here for. And yeah, I want to see like I wonder if we're gonna see like like the opening of that series is gonna be like a news report talking about what happened in last season at the other resort and how sure, maybe sure. new policies are affecting the resort. Yeah, and so I'm I'm here for the White Lotus. I really enjoyed the resort. <laughs> Um, I think maybe the, I'm not sure what gravitated toward me. I just like, I think, I think I'm going to like this. And so I started it and I did. Um, and so that's available on Peacock. I recommend you guys viewing that. Um, I had a, an old school moment, Ernesto. Okay. Uh, remember those old school moments when you are flicking through the channels, you know, channel surfing. Remember those? Remember that time? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and then like when you see something that catches your eye and you're like, I'm just going to stay here. I don't know what I'm watching and I'm kind of halfway through it. But I'm just going to kind of pick it up and see where it goes from here. So I had I, I had full intentions. I logged on to Netflix, and I was like, I, I'm going to watch this, right? But then the recommended section. You know how, like, as soon as you open the the app, there's, like, something that's playing immediately that they think that you yes. might enjoy? And they didn't play a trailer for some reason because it's a Netflix film. But it was – they played a scene from the movie. And so then I caught myself watching the scene, and I was like, huh, I don't know what this movie is. I'd never heard of it before. I I liked what I just saw. You know what? Fuck it. I, I, I just played it. I was like, you know what? I don't that, – that got me more interested than whatever I was about to watch anyway. And uh, sure enough, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's called I Used to Be Famous, and it stars um, – uh, what, what's this character's name? Um from Deadpool, the main villain from Deadpool. Uh, he had a stupid name, like uh, Kleenex or something. What was his <laughs> name? A, A, that's right, Ajax. <laughs> Ajax. He, uh, Eric Shrink, or Shrek. Skirin. Uh, Skirin, yeah. Yeah, Ed, there you go. Not even close. Um, he was in uh, Alita Battle Angel. He's, uh, looks like he was in Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. Uh, he's been a lot of stuff. He's a, he's a British actor, and um, he's playing like this washed up uh, artist who used to be in a boy band 15 years ago. It was very similar to like this boy band was from the early 2000s, very similar to the Bash Street Boys. And 15 years goes by, and he's like a has been nobody, but he was like the leader of the band type of deal, um, lead singer. And so he's kind of washed up. He's he's like playing music in the on the streets. And then this kid comes in and like is like just drumming and like like on anything. And there is like this connection there because, you know, this uh, Ed is still trying to be a, a name for himself. Like he wants to come back into the scene and he, he meets this kid, which we later find out has autism and they want to start forming a band. And so you're seeing these two characters kind of evolve and create music together and it at the end of the day, like it brought a tear to my eye, and I wasn't expecting that either, um, of how that story ended. So for a movie that I never heard of, and and you know I we, we post new to streaming every week on uh, at our Instagram page at Box Office underscore Avengers on our Facebook page at Box Office Avengers, um, where we do <laughs> where we do new to stream Fridays, and I must have missed this one because it just came out this past September, 
and uh, I was thoroughly enjoyed and pleasantly surprised by a movie that I had no idea what I was walking into, and I was solely based off of a three-minute scene that Netflix showed me. Yeah. Um, so I, it, it might not be everyone's cup of tea, but it's very wholesome, and I think that's what really sold her for me. Like, it never, uh, it never went too far. It was just very, it was, it was an easy watch, but it was thoroughly enjoyable. And I'm um, assuming it had some good music in there. It did, yeah, it did. It, it, it's uh, obviously it's about creating music and you know revolved around music, and so we had a couple of good songs, good melodies in there. So I, I enjoyed it for that too. And I'm also a sucker for movies like that as well. Um, yeah. If you uh, August Rush, if you remember that movie, dealt with music as well of a of a kid who's trying to find his his parents. Beautiful movie. Um, what's the other one? Uh, Sing Street is another one that deals with music that's really good. Coda. And Coda also yes, um, also beautiful. There's one that with Mark Ruffalo in it, and Kira Knightley. Uh, that was also a great movie as well. I believe it's called Begin Again. Begin Again. That was a great movie. Also deals with music. Stars Adam Levine and uh, Kira Knightley. A great movie if you haven't seen it. Um, also about music and and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so I'm a sucker for those kind of movies. And so I gravitated that tour one pretty good. Um, but aside from those, I did dive into some of the horror genre, so to speak. Um, I saw Werewolf by Night, the Marvel special that was on Disney plus Michael, the Michael Giacchino movie. Yes. Um, I liked it. It was solid. Very reminiscent of the universal classic monsters look. It had the vibe there, too. I don't know how it fits into the bigger MCU, but I did like what I saw. Um, and it's it's about 50 minutes. Um, it's considered as a special, so it's a standalone thing. And uh, it really worked. It's something completely different I've never seen Marvel do before. Um, and it worked really well. And it was a lot gorier than I anticipated it being. And I think they can get away with it because the entire thing was in black and white. So I think they're able to get away with some of the blood that they showcase too, but it definitely showcased Marvel's diving into some of their monster stuff. So I think this is a tease for us for maybe to what's to come later down the MCU. But I don't know, Michael Chiaquino, he has a he has a knack for this directing thing. So I, I think he, can he could pose the shit out of some good movies. So. That's right. Um, I, I was I was actually thoroughly surprised by his directing skills as well. So if he wants to do more of these or maybe direct a full length movie, I'll be here for it. And, but as long as you keep composing, because you make some bang ass themes. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that was fun. And then I have three horror movies, Ernesto. I don't know if you. Uh... I'm sorry. I mean, before I get into that, I saw another movie. It's a thriller. It's called I Came By on Netflix. You know how I feel about an ending of a movie. Same. It's got to be, you got to tie it all together. Yeah. When you're watching a movie and the ending is shit, I get, I, I got mad by the end of this movie. I was, I I was not happy how this movie ended. It's basically about a, a graffiti artist who's trying to make a statement. He's trying to like a rebel and he goes into rich people's homes and graffiti all over their, their walls. And he's trying to stick up to the man type, so to speak. And one of the houses he infiltrated, he found that there was a um, somebody held catch, captive in in the house. So that's where the majority of the movie kind of moves forward. Um, and there were a few things that 
cop that I wasn't expecting. Definitely the trailer alluded to one thing, and this movie was something completely different. Um, and so I was like, okay, uh, it, it's it, it requires a lot of like work on my part to try to keep up with these time jumps. But other than that, you know, I'm I'm following along, and then it and then it ended, and I was like, this movie can go fuck right off. That's what it can do. I was <laughs> I was so mad when it ended. I was like, ah. I just wasted my time with this. And <laughs> I, I hate feeling that way that when you invest time into a movie and at least don't at least give me a decent ending, but don't just just I feel like they just took a shit on their own movie. Or like I don't know how they ended. We'll just stop it right here. We're just gonna end it right here. Give right here. It's, here's fine. And I was like and like it was an ending, sure, but it was like, wow, we we went from here to here and roll credits. And I yeah, that, that really pissed me off. But so if you go watch I Came By, enter with warning, I guess. <laughs> uh, anyway, back to what I was saying before. I saw three horror movies. I want to see if you can try to uh, rate them for me, with my, which you think I might enjoy more, because I think you might have heard some of these. Uh, okay. the, the new Hellraiser that came out on Hulu. Okay. Okay. Barbarian, which is a movie that was in theaters and was very popular. And I'm not sure if you heard about this one. A movie called Significant Other, which is a new Paramount Plus movie that just hit. Uh, this past weekend as well, so so what so what are, what are what are my guesses? You 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 like you loved one one, hated one, and you liked another. Is that what I'm guessing? So it was, I one yeah. So it's like one two three as far as like this one I really enjoyed. This one was all right, and this one was kind of like eh. Okay, so I'm gonna go I'm gonna go from top to bottom. Okay, so I'm gonna go Barbarian, Hellraiser, Significant Other. Wow, ding ding ding, good for you. <laughs> Well, that is spot on. Um, so yeah, so these are ve- three very new horror movies that just got released. <clears throat> Significant Other and Hellraiser just got released this past Friday. Hellraiser on Hulu, and which we we reviewed the original Hellraiser about almost two years ago now. Um, and Significant Other, another new horror that's hitting uh, Paramount Plus. And then Barbarian came out in September. It's still in theaters. I heard great things about it. I'll start from bottom up. Significant Other was the first half was boring. Right. I'm following. <laughs> okay. like, it's it's about this couple who go camping and you think, you know, where the movie's going to go. Right. And all right. They're camping in the woods. Spooky stuff happening. Right. Um, there's a little bit of a sci fi element to it as the like the first friend in the movie kind of alluded to. I'm like, OK, I'm here for it. Then, Ernesto, <laughs> there's a twist. And when I, I tell you that I laughed my ass off with what the twist was, because not only did I not see it coming. I was like, wow, this movie's dumb. (laughs) (laughs) And at this point, I was watching it as a comedy for the rest of it. Um, It felt like an episode of Black Mirror. And by the end of it, it it almost teed up for it's like, oh, well, we're going to continue the story in the sequel. And I'm like, you're not getting a sequel. Calm down. It's it's not happening. That's not happening. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was just all right, considering that the first movie, the first half of this movie felt very to the books and then it went to the other end of the spectrum and be like now we're just downright ridiculous so you just never know what you're gonna get and also it was fine considering the movie was only like an hour and 18 minutes so like it was like really short so like there were longer episodes of black mirror so i feel like you could have just taken that story into a black mirror set it and call it a day um so that was interesting the new hellraiser on hulu they so Clive Barker had, did the original movie, 
back mm-hmm. in uh, 1987, I believe. And he was he directed and wrote the first one. He wrote the novels that preluded to the movie, and then he acted as a producer from I think like two to four. After that, he hasn't been involved with any of the Hellraisers that came by. And total, there have been 10 Hellraiser movies. Now, this reboot, or what they call reinvention of the character, um, will make 11. And he was involved as a producer. So they got him back as a producer. Uh, freshman writer, fresh director, and um, a bunch of new actors that I hadn't seen before. And I will say this. for It's not like they didn't try, but it was it was solid. Like, okay. I, I, I know... If you remember some of our gripes with the original movie, it was very gory. Um, the script was a little hard to follow. And I feel like they dialed back on the gore to tell a more focused story. Okay. And so I, there is gore. Don't get me wrong. It's very – some scenes were gruesome, but nothing close to what the original brought those <laughs> many years ago. I was like, this is like child's play compared to what the original offered. But it was a solid reinvention of the character. They brought some purpose to the puzzle box, if you remember that. <laughs> uh, and I, I was intrigued by, you know, this because I know that Clive Barker was involved with it. And I was curious to see how this compared. And I saw a YouTube video to remind me some of the some of, of that movie and, and the few sequels that I, I watched. I actually watched Hellraiser 2 as well because they said it was like direct sequel to it. So there was a, like a, like a, a few hours where I kind of dive myself into the Hellraiser stuff just to kind of familiarize with it. Still not my favorite. I really don't care for it, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, but I was intrigued, and so I watched it, and I was like, okay, this is solid, a solid reinvention. I can see more coming out of it, but as a standalone movie, I think it worked. I think it worked really well. Um, I think the main thing was the story was just focused. Like I understand everything that was going on, everything had a purpose, which worked for me. Um, but the characters were just awful. I hated every one of them. I wanted them all to die. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't know no one. I didn't want to know when to live. I said, pinhead priest, whatever you're called now, go ahead, take them all. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, take them. Um, <laughs> but the last movie I saw, I saw this in theaters. I went over there. I, I did a double feature actually, Ernesto. I watched the woman King and I watched barbarian. Because okay. um, I heard a lot of great things about Barbarian, and it was like 90 minutes, so it's really quick. When I tell you, you will have no idea how this movie was gonna go. I, I my mouth was to the floor. I was like, oh my god, we are going there. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say anything more. To be honest with you, I, I will say that on shock value alone, I was, in, I was enjoying the movie. Like, I was enjoying the ride for what okay. it was. But I, I don't know if it's a movie for you, per se. But um, I, I, think just be, I think just because of how crazy it is, you might not like where it goes. I, I should say that. I'm not, sure if you, I'm not sure if you would like where we went with it. But, but I'm I, intrigued. <laughs> but now you should watch it. Yeah. It's, it's I'm easy to watch it. It's easily one of the wildest movies I've seen. And I don't, I don't remember ever seeing a trailer. I know the basic premise was, and the only premise that the trailer offered was a woman tries to get into an Airbnb and realizes that somebody else is staying there. Like, it was double booked. And that was it. That's all I know about it. And so, obviously, you think the movie's going to go one way, and that's how it starts. And then it just goes off. And I was like, oh, my God. God, this movie's but it wild. Like in a good way. In, like in a good way. Yes, yes. And they played suspense very well. 
Mm. Suspense was done very good. Because I was like on the edge of my seat a little bit. I was like, oh, like what's going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the theater with two other people. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I could definitely see like if this was a crowded theater, like you would get a lot of reactions from it. But the movie had been out for almost a month now. And so it was pretty, it was a thin, I also went like on a Saturday morning. So it was not, not very full, but yeah. So I recommend that movie any day now it's going to be announced. It's going to be coming on Hulu. Uh, so when it does, I think you should watch it, but I will say I was kind of happy. I saw in the theater because it intensed my viewing experience just a little bit more because I was in a dark, it's worth, worth it to see it in the theater. You think? I think so. Yeah. I was thoroughly enjoyed by that. Um, and the last thing, I know this is long-winded, but the last thing that I had, I started, and I don't want to dive too much into it, um, but I'll, I'll, I'll have a lot more next week because when you deal with Mike Flanagan, Ernesto, it's, har- it's hard to talk about it without getting the whole picture. So I, I got to gotta see the whole thing before I can fully describe because you know how he does. It's a lot of setup in the beginning, and then there's a lot of payoff in the end. And so I started right now. I watched the first four episodes of The Midnight Club. Oh, you're pretty. That's pretty deep into it. Yeah, I'm deep into it. Yeah, it's there's ten episodes, so I'm almost halfway there. Um, but a couple things I do want to talk about because I think it's interesting. One, he's adapting this off of uh, Christopher Pike young adult novels, and he did a, a series of them from starting from 1985, and and this book that he's adapting in particular called the night the, the midnight club which was a book that was adapted from 1984 and it was about and the story from that is about these terminal these these terminal ill kids f- are staying at like this hops, hospice house and at midnight or at least in the middle of the night i should say they they all meet together and they tell like scary stories and so they're all experiencing their own like health issues but they but they have that common goal and they kind of come together to tell scary stories. What I find interesting though is that in the show's sake, those st- scary stories that they're telling are other Christopher Pike novels. Ooh. So, question for you, is it so that it's based off a young adult novel is this series geared towards a younger audience? Yes. It is. Now is that a is that a helpful thing or you think that's a detriment? Because it kind of looks like you're in the middle. I I that's that's the part I was I was just mentioning. I can't answer that yet. I don't because I don't know where we're going. I mean, you do have Mike Flanagan's flair. I've seen his horror before, but half the so far half the episode is what's happening at the hospice house and these kids and like their issues. The other half of the episode is that is the story. It's like whatever scary story that they're telling. So each episode is about an hour long. And so about 30 minutes is actually dealing with the characters. And then the the other half is actually just, you know, going over the story that they are telling to their peers. And so it depends how you take that. If you don't like the story, then that they're telling you're not in, in, intrigued by it that, and you only care about the characters, you're only spending 30 minutes with that. And the other half is kind of like, okay, we're doing our own separate thing now and telling these stories. But I think the, I, what really intrigues me is that those stories are other novels that Christopher Pike has written. So I think that's kind of a genius way of like, f- 
like trying to tell, trying to adapt all of his work within this one. one series. Yeah. So I think that's pretty creative in my opinion. But as far as TV, TVMA, so that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, there is some like horror stuff in there, but I think we're getting horror light. Uh, so, so far again, I still have six more episodes to watch so that could change. Um, but I think because of what Mike Flanagan has given us in the past with Hill house, Bly Manor and midnight mass, I can only, I'm, I'm giving it the respect of like, I love those three shows and he's done great work so far. I have nothing to doubt him that this won't be great either. So I got to finish it to see if it's if it still works for me. But so far, I'm not 100% for it, but I'm along for the ride. Okay. All right. So, but like, because Mike Flanagan has done great work in the past, so I can only imagine that this will be great as well. But like Midnight Mass was a slow burn. So I wouldn't say that this is a slow burn, but it took me a while to get there. And I feel like we're, I'm waiting for the story to pick up. Um, because like I said, we get 30 minutes at the front and then the rest of the show is occupied by one of the other stories that the kids are saying. And so, and those are different each episode. So, and it's, it's also funny because each episode, I believe maybe except for the first one, um, is a title from one of his other previous novels as well. Oh, okay. So, you know, exactly what he's adapting at that point. Um, so I think it's pretty cool. But anyway, and then I also... I teased a little bit that I've been diving into some of the classic horror stuff. I'm going to talk about next week. Okay. Uh, uh, I'm still picking out a few ones that I'm familiar with, but I have like a decent sized list on some of the classic horrors that I've been diving into, but I'll dive into all that next week because uh, I feel like next week is a little more, it's a Halloween it's episode, little, so to speak. It's a little bit more spooky. A little bit spooky. Uh, <laughs> but I, I will say that I am enjoying diving into the horror genre. It's a, it's a genre I don't typically gravitate toward, and over the years I've been warming up to it. So it still is not my favorite genre, and most of it is not my cup of tea. But I'm giving it its due. I'm, I'm at least trying it out. At least being able to appreciate it for what it is. Exactly. Um, so anyway, that's all I've been watching. Uh, so now we're going to be diving into our spoiler review of The Woman King, the movie that's been we've been trying to review for a while now, directed by. Um, Gina Prince Blythewood, starring Viola Davis. Ernesto, your thoughts on the film? So, I think before I get into the film, I have to address like the big elephant in the room. Like, okay. Like this is depicted as based on true events, but based off the ten minutes of research that I've done on this, that the the events in this movie are vastly different from what actually happened. Like, this movie depicts 1823, and they didn't get anywhere near out of the slave trade until, like, the 1860s. Like, way, Mm -hmm. way after. So, like, they're trying to depict them in this more positive light than than what they actually were. And so now, like, and I I would love to go see it, but kind of the reason why Lupita Nyong'o accepted the role, and then once she did her research like completely like released a documentary explaining like exactly what this tribe is about. It's available on Fubo. It's called uh, warrior women. Yeah, it's supposed mm. to be really good where she interviews people who live there, descendants from who have actually know of the tribe and all the 
crazy things that they were all the crazy mass murderings and slave trades and everything that they were involved in now it's hard to just to to hate on them too much because they were a people of their time you know like that was the that was the main export that was how some of these some of these civilizations thrived is it right no but did is it something that everybody else was doing to survive yeah that's what they were doing so it's it's an unfortunate part of their past i just don't think like you could say this is another one of those where i wish they would have put maybe what this movie was inspired by Mm. like how fierce this tribe was which is i think what they tried to pull from it because that obviously we get to see in the movie. So right. I think so moving forward I'm looking at this movie as like an idealistic view of what this tribe could have been not what they actually were. Okay, and I think that's important because I do know that there were some historical inconsistencies with the movie. I didn't do any research for it. I was just trying to see it as a movie first and then, you know, I I didn't have time to dive into the history. Obviously you did, so thank you. Um but I, it, for for the I, I I do find it interesting that they, and how you perceived it as this is, take it for what it actually said in the movie, inspired by. Exactly. So we're, we're we're taking this very loosely. This is loosely based on it. But anyway, your thoughts. But I think that loosely is a very broad terms when it comes <laughs> because in this movie True. you get you get Viola Davis as this as this general who right off the bat says that she doesn't want to be involved in the slave trade okay Mm -hmm. so that's okay so we're branching off from history that's fine so here that's where we're at now that being said and taking that into consideration i fucking love this movie yeah i thought that it was really well done i thought the story was was really well done viola davis is a fucking beast like like (laughs) i've seen so many training videos of her online of everything she had to do to prepare for this role and it 100% shows. The action sequences were like some of the best that I have ever seen. Like they were just so engaging. Like we didn't get a lot of them, but the ones that we did get were so purposeful and so mm-hmm. well timed and so well shot. Like it's just it was a a, a collaborative effort that just r- really really paid off. Um, and I think the highlight is not only for Viola Davis but for the co-star for Thusto. Bedu, like I thought she who plays her daughter who ends up playing who we find out through the throughout the movie that she plays her daughter I feel like her story arc was so well done like a lot of this movie thrives on the character development like this is seen this is like this this kind of like warrior's journey where mm-hmm. for Viola Davis and for her daughter kind of going through what it ultimately led to her becoming the woman king at the very end um I just thought it was so good. Each care, I cared about each character and what they were doing and what they came for. And that's saying a lot considering this movie was a little, a little over two hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I felt like they were able to pack so much in there in that amount of time. Like I, I really, really, really enjoyed it. It was so like an emotional scene for me is when she finishes that training montage um, and they're doing like that final test and she goes back to go save her friend. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Keep going. <laughs> go win. But, like, but when she ultimately gets it and like seeing like what she went through to like be the best, to like push herself past the point of, of everybody else to be, to be the winner, to be the, the, the number one warrior. Like 
that was just such a wor- it was just such a well deserved win for her and i felt like it was just like it was an impactful because you see what she went through leading everything leading up to that point i I couldn't agree more with everything you just said. I was thoroughly enjoyed by this movie. I think the key thing that I heard that you that really stuck with me that I agree with the most was that you we cared about every character. Every character had a purpose in the movie. Every character had its worth. And you cared about where they end up in this movie. And I think that's the important thing about this movie is that they developed uh, not only a great uh, group of characters, but it was also like lead, led by like an all black female cast for the yeah. most part. Um, the only person that that wasn't female was John Boyega, and he did fantastic in that role as well. Um, as well as the, the two people, I don't even know what their names were, the, the, like the, the love interest and the other white guy that oh, was yeah. like responsible for the trade. Oh, obviously our villains as well. Um, but it was it was like... I'm actually really impressed from for for director uh, director Gina Prince Blythewood because I remember watching The Old Guard and I think she oh that that was a solid movie like I didn't care yeah. for it story wise I thought it was fine that movie now showed me she can direct action this movie right here showcased that she can direct a blockbuster because yeah. that that was that's like leaps and bounds that's a, that this movie's on a completely different level than what she's directed before correct and 100 oh, right it, agree. it's like this, this the characters are more i mean that could be just for the writing itself but the way that she directed those action scenes were amazing breathtaking and i'm gonna i'm gonna call out um la la la, la what how do you pronounce that lashana lynch lashana lynch oh she was yeah. incredible my god if she does not get an Oscar nom for supporting actress right now, out of all the movies we've seen this year so far, this is the first time I'm like, that is a supporting actress nom right there. I think she played her role very well, very comedic, very powerful, very empowering. Um, and again, spoiler alert, when she died, that hit like oh, that, that hit like so that. hard. And, and when, when, and I, I almost saw it coming too. I was like, in order for have this character to grow, to have um, Naoi character, for her character to grow, um, it was, I was like, she needs to die. She is like the mentor. She's like, she's the growth that she needs. And when she did, I'm like, this is movie making 101, that you kill the most influential person to our main lead. And it really worked. It really worked for me. And I think she did a great job in her role. Um, and she was also very likable. All these characters are so likable and you're rooting for everyone to win as well. I could also see uh, Oscar nom for Thuso Mabuto, like Mabuto, because mm-hmm. but like like I wouldn't be surprised if both of them get nominated and then it's going to be a toss up for who did better to earn the win. But they, Mm -hmm. I really believe, and also for, and obviously for Viola Davis for leading actress, she absolutely should be nominated for this role. And, and she's definitely a front runner based on the articles I've been reading. Um, last week we talked about, uh, um, Ana de Armas' performance as Marilyn Monroe, and she's a top contender right underneath her, right in the same conversation, is Viola Davis in this movie, and she yeah. earns it. She yeah. she, okay. she brought so much... It's it's like strength and, and sadness 
and and just this warrior spirit that Viola Davis brought to this character. And then she backed it up with these like badass action sequences is like, she is the real deal. And I, I liked her character from the beginning, especially during the training stuff, because she's like, I take no bullshit and there's not much that can bring her down. But we'd later find out that the one thing that could bring her down is knowing that her, I guess she gave her daughter away at some point or just wanted rid of it, but how that kind of came back to her and we can see some emotion come out of her than just being like this brute force of nature warrior of a facade she's bringing in and that add another layer to her character that really worked for this movie. Yeah, and we saw the eighteen the eighteen hundreds DNA test. It's like I put a shark tooth underneath your arm. <laughs> this is how I know you're my baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the only way to figure these out nowadays, right? Yeah. <laughs> Where's that shark tooth? <laughs> and, then, and then I was thinking about it. It's like, would that have stayed in there for that many years, for 19 years? I guess it's not going anywhere. I guess it's if you I guess you just put it in your body, I guess it well, grows. It kind of doesn't absorb it. Like, it yeah, just goes that's true of that. <laughs> Never know. Uh, it's like, man, what's this hard thing on my arm? Yeah, it's like, look it feels like, like a tooth. <laughs> I should probably get it out. <laughs> he was like, look, look at it, look at it right here. It's like, look, and also it's like, it's a, <laughs> it's moving. That's kind of weird. It's <laughs> weird. Like, that um, doesn't hurt. <laughs> yeah, it's it's also great to see a movie like this that's again, that's doing so well, acts like a blockbuster, and again, not a Marvel movie. Um, and we've had this conversation before with Everything Everywhere All at Once and with um, uh, Top Gun Maverick. And Top Gun Maverick's different because it's coming off of a franchise, but very similar to Everything Everywhere All at Once, this is a solo movie that acts like a blockbuster, like a must-see in-theater experience. And I agree. It, it, it tells a beautiful story through and through. Um, and one that has a lot of heart too. Like I didn't expect it to have this much heart. I was expecting to go in here and see Viola Davis kick some ass. I I didn't expect to have like this hero's journey with the, with these young ladies trying to be warriors. I did not see that coming at all. Yeah, I really love the. I mean, and we've seen the training the the uh, the training sequences so many times in so many different films. Like it's a story that can that it's can. It's so easy to retell, but it's so easy to get it wrong because it's been sold so many times. It's done so many different ways. But I felt like they kept it simple and they focused on the the struggles that the characters were going through. Showing like showing her arrogance, like when she added the explosives to the head of the thing, like showing her going through her, her defiance and and ultimately what because I kind of I kind of I kind of picked it before it happened i was like man she's acting like a young viola davis like hard-headed mm-hmm. like acting yeah. like a young general like and like wanting to be defiant to her mother it's like it, it's like it was like it almost makes sense that that would be her daughter yeah and well sure enough there you go sure enough, hey, <laughs> mama <laughs> um yeah and i don't know if you stayed for a little bit after the credits um there was like a a, a brief like cutscene at the right, right, like midway through, like a midway. Scene. Damn it, I left. <laughs> yeah, okay. And th- I mean, there wasn't there wasn't much anything to tell. It was the the um, Viola Davis's other like assistant warrior, um, Na- Namanzi Namanza, Aman. Amen. Amenza. 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 There you go. Um, she. Uh, it was just like kind of at the burial site of um, um, is is Gozi. 
like and then it was just her there citing a prayer or something and that was it it was like no, nothing major but oh, okay. um i i think that even her character played an important role into the movie as well um, yeah almost like uh, a she was almost like a godmother like yeah to the crew like she would help she was her, there to console everybody she helped viola davis get through her pregnancy like she was almost like a mentor for her like not necessarily like a husband to her but right. she was like a she was her partner like the, she they yeah. relied, she relied on her to when she was feeling down to help her bring herself back up right almost and almost like as far as like a, a you know a warrior standpoint like second in command if if, if Viola Davis was a general she was a second in command and then you had um um Agozi being like the the Azoki. one that's Azoki I'm, I'm never going to say these names right I apologize um <laughs> that she was more like the mentor for the trainees specifically um you know Viola Davis's daughter like Nawi. her Nawi there you go um and again everything worked I think the action I I do you know if I'm nitpicking here but I would have liked more action in the movie I think uh, so too but I I think maybe maybe one more would have been okay but mm-hmm. anything more than that I feel like would have diluted the epic like three or four battle scenes that we did actually yeah I mean, like we started made off them strong. Count, it made them count much more than more because we they, the movie wasn't like inundated with just mindless action here and there. It, and every action scene was purposeful. Yes. Yeah. And I honestly, I didn't realize that. And you know, at the end of the movie, I now you know you kind of look back at it, but like the the big action scene was in the middle when they were infiltrating them, the other tribe. And so I thought we were to get one more at the end, and we kind of got that it was more like an uprising there wasn't yeah it wasn't like the big like the big battle. you know fight yeah it wasn't a big battle but more of just like you know little things that were happening in the town and then her you know viola davis's comeuppance when she actually killed the other general at the very end of the like that was her moment and there was some woman in the um in the in the theater now mind you this movie came out three weeks ago and i still had a packed house so did I. I was, that's I was actually surprised. I was gonna bring that up too. My like yeah. my theater was pretty full. It was a lot of and this was in the middle of the afternoon. Yeah. And there was yeah. quite a few people in the theater. Yeah, I was I was quite surprised as well. I was like, oh my god, there's I gotta sit next to somebody? What's up? It's like, don't you people have work? <laughs> <laughs> no, stupid. I'm here with you. I'm like, all right, fair enough. <laughs> all right, all right. All right, all right. But there was like uh there was a few people in the crowd that was cheering when she finally killed um, kill it was like, an earned moment. It wasn't a very, very earned moment. And then you hear, I hear, "That's right, girl. You get it, Viola Davis." That's what I. <laughs> <laughs> Are you get him, Viola Davis? Um, uh, I, I laughed at that. But um, but yeah, I mean, it did have it did have those moments that felt earned, and it kind of puts its place up there with those historic epics that we that we've seen in the past. I think it fits right in there with those types of stories. Um. And also, I think it's a historic one as well, a very um, iconic one for Hollywood history to have like a female, a black female cast and then have a story that's inflecting that empowerment as well. I think yes. I think it was a very and it also helped that it was also from a black female director. So all of that makes sense. Even behind the scenes, I was looking at some of the, um, you know, behind the scenes stuff. The producers were were primarily women that were producing this movie. The composer, 
the composer, the music in that movie is fantastic. Oh, that, it that, hits. It hits so good. Oh, my God. I've been listening to that soundtrack. Um, it's great. And the composer is a black composer named Terrence uh, Blanchard. And I let me list you his filmography of, of movies he decides to compose. So he did The Woman King, right? Mm-hmm. He did uh, Genius, the Aretha Franklin story, One Night in Miami, The Five Bloods, Harriet, Black Klansman, um, Sha- uh, Shaka Khan, um, Red Tails. Uh, I think he did another one. Waste Deep was another one he composed. And I thought that he also did Love and Basketball, another one. I thought he did Michael Michael Max. I guess he did not. No, he didn't. Oh, no, he did, yes. One of his first movies he ever composed was uh, Michael Max. And so I'm, I, I think you sense a theme here. He's very oriented to the black stories, and he's putting music to those very iconic black stories that we've seen in Hollywood history. Um, and this score, this is, this is an Oscar-worthy score right here. Oh, like, it's, it's so good. It's, I, I think this, should be, this score should be nominated for an Oscar. Even the song that played at the end of the movie as well was a great song. Um, I forgot the name of it, but I think that song really works and it definitely plays into like when, when, when songs are nominated, it has to, it has to either something to do with the times or with the impact for the movie. And I feel like the song that they, that they wrote um, does that very well. And that song is called, Oh, that's not it. I'm playing the score now. Uh, the song is called, Nope, where is it? Uh, the tradition... No, oh, Keep Rising. That's what it's called, Keep Rising. Um, and I think that song really works for the for the movie, and I think it could work well for, uh, for an Oscar nom as well. So, like, all across the board, really, between... Uh, so, like, all across the board, behind the scenes-wise, they're even playing up to the story that they were telling, which is female empowerment... Um, with an all-black cast, um, female that is, and even John Boyega, I thought he did a great job in his role as King. Like yeah. he wasn't, he wasn't too. He was definitely a supporting character in this story. He he wasn't ever the focus at all much, almost like a guide almost. Uh, yeah, he, he, you... he definitely stayed in more of the. I think he stayed more in the supporting role, but I mean, the things that he said held held weight to the plot. Like mm-hmm. he was, oh yes, he was still heavily involved because he was the one who had to make the the ultimate decision, and he's the one who made uh, Viola Davis the woman king. Right, right. Um, yeah, I think he played his role very well. The romance in it was fine. That was again not the focus of the story. Um, I could I, have done without it. I agree. I definitely agree, especially when we it find out it. that it, it didn't need it, and like when. When I found out, they implied that they slept together before, yes. like, the raid happened in town. I don't think we need that either, but sure. If you want to throw in a love story, it wasn't a big one, so I can I can overlook that as well. It wasn't a main focus, but it was my. It was unnecessary. Like, because yeah. she could have easily just stayed in the cages and not been in that room. And in the uprising, the only thing she did was save Viola Davis from being shot, because she shot... She shot the general before she got to take her final blow. And right. She was in right. like that. She was in like that colonial dress. Yeah. Yeah, and I agree. I didn't need to be there. I feel like it was just 
like again if we're nitpicking here and this movie was a little over two hours this movie could have been like a solid two hours without that romance embedded in there because at the end of the day it it didn't really because it would might have focused it would have focused primarily on the the journey on the journey of i mean you do get you you do get the element of of her defying the order of the agoji because they're not supposed to take him in they're not supposed to sure. they're supposed to stay virgins i mean so she has defied the order so like what if she got pregnant right right and i don't know if that's i, I i'm trying to figure out a reason why to put that in the movie except for her defying the orders or maybe wanted to experience some sort of feeling of love and then being like all right but my true passion's over here so Thanks, thanks for the good lay, but I'm I'm gonna go be with my maybe people that's, now. Maybe that's what it is. Like, well, you have the she has the choice for to have a traditional life where she can have a sure. husband and have a good life in Europe, or she can stay with her with her women, and they, she can be a great she can live the life of a great warrior. So having I guess having the choice between having a normal life and the warrior's life, at the end she still chose the warrior's life. I guess. I- I like that. I, I can justify that, that. That seems justifiable to have that story in there because given her options of what could have been. Um, but ultimately, obviously, she made the right choice and the one that is more meaningful. Um, but anyway, final thoughts on the movie, Ernesto. Um, I thought it was good. Like I said, I kind of have that caveat in the beginning about, you know, like making sure that it's something that's you look at it that's inspired by these people, not necessarily it's this is not this isn't a I, I look at it they, they are in an idealistic view of what these warriors could have been mm-hmm. not what they actually were and that's yeah. about it but if you look at it through that lens i think it was phenomenal i think viola davis did a phenomenal job all the supporting cast like i'd love to see multiple nominations i mean even as far look at the set design I mean, yeah. the sets were absolutely gorgeous. The cinematography was beautiful. The costumes were were so well placed. Um, I'd like I'd like to see a round of nominations for this for this film. Yeah, and as you said, Ernesto, this this and we say many times for different movies, but this movie has the whole the whole package. It has the, the entire meal. meal. It's the meal. Um, it has a great story, a very impactful, empowering story, a great cast um, with outstanding performances and then if that's not good enough for you you have you know an amazing score and action to back up some of the badass scenes in this movie it, it really is the full meal and this is best picture quality right here like this Absolutely. this right here it has the best picture quality and i i hope it does i hope it, it has it there's enough marketing behind the movie to give it its due but if not then I can definitely see it going for acting, costume, music, production. Like it, it has a lot going for this movie. And so um, we and and we have been talking about the Oscars quite a bit is because around this time, this is when those movies start coming out yeah. um, that that will be considered potential Oscar movies coming in. And there's still a few more we haven't even talked about that's going to be releasing toward the end of the year and a little bit into early January. Um, and then the Oscars are in March. So. This is definitely one of those movies that I hope that we're going to be talking about again because it was it was such it's like it's 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 hard to see a movie that's done so well and then also critically as is received very well on top of that because I think right now Rotten Tomatoes it's sitting like at a 95%. Mm. That means the critics loved it and the other movie yeah so 95 for critics 99 for the audience 
which is quite impressive for almost 10,000 views. I'm sorry, 10,000 reviews for an audience score to be 99%. Um, that's saying something really good. And for uh, the critics to have almost 200 reviews and sitting that high as well. Um, so this movie is obviously favorably enjoyed by all parties. So when it's, it's rare that you see the audience and the critics both agree on something very heavily, you got to put it into the Oscar race, right? That makes only sense to me. I'd be very uh, surprised if it's not even mentioned in the conversation. I 100% agree with that. Uh, but there you go. That's our spoiler review on The Woman King. You can currently still catch it in theaters. We highly recommend you do that because I, I really enjoyed my theater experience with that. Except for the lady who lost her phone and then was asking. Oh, quick quick story. Lady sitting next to me, she was in the wrong seat, so she moved. Then she came back and she said, I, I lost my phone. And so the people that were sitting in their seats, all of a sudden they had the phone lights on. They're looking under the chair and everything. And I was like, while the movie's right. playing or there's, there's while, yes. Yeah. No. While the movie's like at the oh. beginning of the movie. Yeah. Like that's, the, so, this couple, that's like the most important part. Like that epic fight scene in the beginning. Oh, I'd have been. Mad. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it didn't settle until they were walking like after that fight scene and they're walking back into their town. Oh, and like, damn. yeah. So that whole thing was just interrupted. So I was like, I was trying to block it. But but it was like right next to me, so it was kind of hard to. Yeah, especially when there's like two cell phone lights looking on the ground. It's like, well, that's not helpful either. Um, <laughs> luckily the re- luckily the rest of the movie was undisturbed. So, but <laughs> either way, that's our spoiler review on the Woman King. Go catch it in theaters. Maybe pick an earlier showing to maybe avoid some of <laughs> some of the distractions you might have in the theater. <laughs> um, but yeah, tell our lovely listeners, Ernesto, what we're looking forward to next week. Oh, next week is, I think it's going to be our spooky episode. Mm-hmm. We are going to be reviewing, we're, we're closing it out. We're, we are watching Halloween Ends. Hopefully we can get uh, Esteban back on. And I'm hopeful for a satisfying conclusion. Because I wasn't That's... too crazy about the ending of the last one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious to what they're going to do to close the story out. Because I liked the first one. Yeah. I didn't really care for the second one. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to what the third one and how they're this is supposed to be the final one to close it out. Like, it's, hopefully it's <laughs> not going to be a case of like Jurassic Park where it's like, it's like you should have just stopped, should have just stopped at the fourth one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I am bringing my expectations low on this one, Ernesto. Yeah. Um, because I didn't see any trailers for this, um, funny enough, because I didn't feel like I needed to. I feel like nothing this trailer is going to show me that's going to intrigue me to watch it either way. Um, I'm not curious about anything. Um, I just like it's another Halloween movie. You can't you can't. There's not really any surprises, I, I think, that you can give. Um, but I do want to see how this ends. And I'm hoping that it's a satisfying one as well, uh, because I agree. I was not jazzed up about the last outing. And uh, currently on the slate, we have Esteban coming onto the show, which we hadn't seen him since uh, Jurassic World, speaking of which. And um, and uh, we had him on for last uh, last year for Halloween Kills. So kind of bringing that conversation a full circle there, Ernesto. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, we'll see how that movie goes. Hopefully it's a satisfying one. Are you going to try to go back and watch the other two? Yes, I am. I'm going to try okay. just so I can – I want to have a full understanding of what they were trying to do. So Understood. I guess I, yeah. I feel like I need to see the first two. It's, it's like it's funny because like I don't mind going back and watch rewatching the first one, but I I had such 
not a good experience watching the second one. It's like, and because of that, I have no, I have no care to go see in the theater. I'm happy to watch it on Peacock. See, I'm actually, I want to try to go see it in the theater to see if maybe the theater experience will enhance my viewing. That's fair. Honestly, that is fair to have that respect for it. Um, Honestly, I'll, I'll see right now. I'm, I'm seeing that. I'm seeing that one at home. I, okay. I'm okay with seeing it at home. But anyway, you can look forward to all of that next week. We'd like to thank each one of you for coming back to the show and listening to us just talk about movies. If you want more from us, you can find us on our social media channels on Instagram at boxoffice underscore bingers and on our Facebook and TikTok page at boxofficebingers where we have Movie Showdown Mondays, New to Stream Fridays, our latest reviews on movies and TVs, as well as some of the latest and breaking movie and TV news that we also post on our stories. If you want to see like stuff from like the, the, the Super Mario Mario's uh, trailer, as among of any other trailers, or the poster, or past news stories. We have those saved Insta stories that can just that saves all those stuff for you, as well as the trailers and all the new things that are streaming. It's all there on our social media channels. Go follow it if you're not already, because it's a good time over there. Uh, but that's it. That's all the show we have for you guys this week. Thank you again for listening to us just talk about movies. For that, I've been your host, Matt Diaz. Ben Ernesto Santos. See ya.